that oil which should go to her sisters, your wife. Well, he's taking money that by right should go to Molly. My mother, Lizzie. She's not in good shape. She won't last. Most old sages don't live past 50. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. We are reviewing Killers of a Flower Moon from one of our favorite directors, Marty Scorsese, which I've now found out is how you say it. Not Scorsese. Scorsese. Um, Says he. Yeah. We, we say it how we say it. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, <clears throat> I'm Lee Carlo. Joined as always by Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy. I'm Fisk. Chapin Hemingway. Joined as always by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk. Um, yeah, glad to have you here, guys. Uh, oh, I'm glad you could. Uh, yeah, invite glad us. To glad to be here. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real privilege. It is. It's always a privilege to talk with me. I know you guys always make that clear. Thank you. Um, so, guys, uh, we haven't reviewed a Scorsese film. Scorsese film, excuse me, since 2019 with. The very long, the Irishman, and now he has come together finally with his two male muses, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Sharing... I actually just finished the Irishman and then started this right after. <laughs> really? Yeah. From 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 four years ago. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sure we'll make plenty of those jokes. Um. So I know we were all very excited for this. Um, this is a big year for, for us. Scorsese has a movie. Fincher has a movie. David, uh, not David Mamet. Uh, Michael Mann has a movie. Who else is a movie? A lot of our favorites are, have movies uh, coming out. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos um, Lanthimos. Bradley Cooper. Ridley Scott. Right, right. Um, um, Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola. I mean, there's a couple, like Denis Villeneuve that got pushed, of course. Pushed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... Uh, well, I don't actually really know how big of fans we are of Luca Guadagnino, but I think his movie was pushed too, right? Challengers. Yeah, I'm not a. Uh, I, I, but we are yeah. huge fans of Jeremy Fisk's location work. So yeah, but he's not a fan of him personally. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of him. Um, so guys, I, here's my question for you. Um, speaking of filmmakers, we love we love these auteurs, and we love filmmakers not because they put themselves in their own movies, which you know most of them don't. We'll get to that later. Um, but because they have certain stylistic ter- tendencies, they, they do things that define them as directors that we fall in love with. And so we get excited to see their next movies. The kind of, you know, Ron Howard uh, journeyman type directors who I think do good jobs most of the time, but don't really have a sort of a, a look or a feel that those I think those guys are less interesting to us. And um, we, we're not quite as. Um, sort of enamored with them as we are our favorite directors. Um, and I know we all love Scorsese, and I don't know if we've ever talked about what we love the most about him, but um, watching Flowers uh, just yesterday, um, this felt like a little bit of a departure for him. Um, I'm not going to take, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm just, let's just say a departure from the things that we kind of love um, about him. Like, let's talk about the good Let's think about kind of Goodfellas as our sort of North Star here. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, guys, when when you show up and you watch a movie like this from one of your favorite directors and it feels different, it doesn't have necessarily the same qualities um, that you love in that director's work. How do you feel? And I think you can talk about this kind of generally instead of going right into the film. Um, so I think, so I, I'm really glad that you asked this to kind of kick us off because I've been reading and hearing a lot about um, kind of this late period Scorsese thing, like type of movie and like how, you know, his career can be defined in like a bunch of different eras and the styles of his movies, the themes of his movies. And um. I've also been hearing, of course, that Killers of a Flower Moon, I won't get into my opinion too much about it, but Killers of a Flower Moon really rewards a second viewing. Of fucking course. Who said you that? Need th- 
Uh, well, they were talking about that on the big picture. I, uh, I would like, agree with that, though. Yes, I mean, I, I and I and do too. Manola Darga said that in her New York Times review too. <laughs> sure, of course. We don't you need to watch seven, seven hours, hours of Killers yeah. of a Flower Moon to really appreciate it. Let's get into that a little bit later. But the reason I kind of mentioned those two things together is that late late period Scorsese, I think part of the reason it needs two viewings is because you kind of ha- you need an adjustment period to get comfortable with the different style. And that, that's an interesting point. We love Scorsese so much for like movies like Goodfellas and things like that, but obviously he's made a lot of other good movies that aren't necessarily matching that movie's energy and that style of camera work and filmmaking and we still like those movies, but I just think that is so ingrained in us. When we see him doing something different, we're not necessarily picking up on what he's doing well. We're looking at other things. Maybe there's certain things we appreciate about this movie. Maybe there's things we don't. But I think there's just this adjustment period that, oddly enough, three and a half hours might not be long enough to really fully embrace. Well, I I would definitely agree with the fact that this weirdly takes a second viewing um, to really be able to talk about it thoroughly. And I'm sure by the time Fixies roll around, because it will be on Apple, I'm definitely going to um, watch it again. But there is a part to, to agree with Have you Glee requested your bit. vacation off for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I'm just the gonna SAG strike will still already, be going. Already two running time jokes that we've made. Um, but in, in agreement with Lee, um, well, now you you derailed me. What would you say? What'd you say, Lee? I was just talking about, about oh, kind of like yeah, your brain, your brain, um, sort of tries to is like in a weird searching pattern when watching yeah, a Scorsese. It's looking, for... it's looking to find those things that you. It's almost like a, a drug you're looking to get a hit of, and it's like darting around trying to figure it out and find that hit and you're in and in doing so you may miss some things that he is more importantly trying to do this time around and for for scorsese and i think for him like especially his recent movies it's more about the thematic style than the physical camera style that's uh, more yeah. important i will say that, like- uh, another thing that i observed in that same vein that Lee, you guys just pointed out was uh, at a sort of, sort of smaller scale was DiCaprio's performance and that character in general, you, you know, you're sort of wanting him to be a good guy and make the right decisions. And yet you see him, I mean, he's your protagonist and you see him kind of get further, further into these evil deeds and you just can't believe yeah. what he's done by the end of it. And you're almost trying to ex- excuse him as exactly, for as long as exactly, you can. Yeah. And, and it's that, that's a hard adjustment. I think just, you know, had that, you know, been played by, you know, I think initially not to get too much into the context of this movie, I think initially he was going to play the um, Jesse Plemons part. And I think Plemons was going to play his part. Maybe. Um, I, don't, I don't know if, Clemens was playing his part. What happened was there was an original draft of the script that Which was is much a, more a, like the book, right? Where a little more, a little yeah. bit more true to the book, where the FBI investigate investigation was much more present. Um, so the um, the part that Jesse Plemons plays was a much bigger role. Um, and then you know the story <laughs> is that Leo is like, hey Marty. This movie needs more heart. Let's like you know they they romanticize it quite a bit. I don't, but yeah, I end, don't believe that at all. Then Scorsese is like, oh, I didn't, you know, you're yeah, you're clearly better that. at this than yeah. Leo. <laughs> and just in be the in end, my movie, they, please. They did change the story or the telling of the story a little bit, and the Burkhart character obviously becomes much bigger. I also remember when that story first broke about DiCaprio changing parts, it was like, it was very much pitched as like, no, Plemons is the better actor for this part. I'm going to take a different part in this movie. Well, that's funny. Where, it does, where yeah, Plemons just like, gets this small role. <laughs> he's like, uh, anyways, I, I think um, had it been an actor like Plemons or someone who was a little bit more enigmatic, you would that would have been an easier sell. I think that's not to say I'm not like commenting on DiCaprio's performance. I'm just saying like you, 
as sort of a leading man, you expect him to be good. Anyways, let's 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 keep going. Well, let's give this let's give this con- conversation a little context because we haven't really talked anything about the story, and I think it's going to be Martin important. Scorsese is a uh, is one of our favorite. Fi- oh, not context like that. You mean like for the story? Yes. Um, you know, Leo plays this guy who's just I think he's a World War One veteran, Ernest Burkhart, and he comes into. Um, the Osage village after they've already struck uh, oil and they're, you know, these Osage people have an abundance of wealth and um, they were the richest people by per bike per capita than any other people in the world at that time. And then of course, um, you know, things go sideways and they get the white man shows up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to give a little background as to the story, Right, and, yeah, the, and the town the is kind of David Gran, which guys I read, and you actually read it. You didn't, you didn't listen to it because I, I, I want to hear, want to hear half uh, and half. I read the yeah, first oh, half and well, finished that listening that to it. Then. I don't know and why it's that doesn't sti- count, and it still took less time than watching the movie. <laughs> it's actually, I think the audio book is like <laughs> three hours. That's so funny. Um, yes, and and Robert De Niro plays William Hale. Who is kind of the patriarch of the the white patriarch of of the Osage nation? He yeah, he's he, sort of like a self acclaimed mayor of the area. Yeah, and but, has but when paid, we do meet him, he is trusted by the Osage people. Yes, at that yes. point. Yes, I mean, there's a so there is a lot to unpack in the story here. Um, but let's, you know, a, let's. I think a couple important notes are that just like this is told essentially through Leonardo DiCaprio, Ernest Burkhardt's perspective. Um, you know, he's a little bit of like a dimwit and, uh, William Hale, Robert De Niro is his uncle. He returns to, you know, to this area and sort of, you know, is kind of, you know, does what his uncle says, I think is kind of just an important piece that like runs throughout this movie and contributes to so much that happens. But, the book is told much more from um, Molly Burkhart's perspective and kind of the Osage perspective. Molly Burkhart is played by Lily Gladstone, who is um, a Native American actress. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think I don't even think it's worth getting into the, the conversation surrounding like. How this movie portrays the Osage, whether or not the their perspective is is made clear, I think that's a. I mean, we can have that conversation, but it's not necessarily about the movie specifically. Um, I think the important thing is that, like, this is this is like Ernest Burkhart's story. This movie, like, what happens to him, what he does, and how that impacts all the characters in this movie. Right, and and the reason I sort of wanted to give a general idea of the plot line is because, as you guys know, I'm the uh, I'm the guy who loves to point out the Americanisms in movies, and I think it doesn't get much more um, American and complicated and sort of the genesis of what makes this country what it is for good and especially for bad um, than, than this movie. And I think that's one of the big things that Scorsese was wrestling with, um, with this film. And I think maybe he felt it was important and this is sort of just my interpretation important not to take away from that aspect of the story by making it just a Martin Scorsese movie. I mean, he had to make, he can't, he couldn't have made it just an Osage movie because that's sort of hard to do if you're not, you know, culturally from there. But I think he, he broadened the story a bit and made it more about, you know, the founding of America through violence and greed and corruption to those, those other people, whoever that may be at the time, um, who white people have taken advantage of over the years. That's an interesting point then. So Lee, with the context of the book, and I, I, you know, I'd I'd like to stop talking about that because it makes you sound, I think, smarter than you are. Um, but, uh, Ernest Burkhart is a, is a big character in the book or not so much? So let me take you through the, the novel. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, he is. I mean, he's he. It's the same key characters, Molly, Ernest, and William Hale, but it it is told much more through the perspective. Well, to a certain extent, it's told more through the perspective of Molly Burkhart, but it's also it's the book is divided up into like three sections where it's right. like Molly's story, and then it gets into like Ernest and Molly, and then it gets into the FBI story. So it's like it's really like three little like totally separate aspects, but obviously they all kind of cross over, but it's, it is not, there is not like a main character of Ernest Burkhart in the movie. It's, I mean, in the book. And it's also like, there's not really like a main character in the book because it is, while it's a, it, it takes some like freedoms in terms of storytelling. It is a nonfiction book. So it's kind of just, it's giving you a lot of facts. Um, so there's not like a main character the same way that so, there is. So on here. the surface, basically, uh, Scorsese takes a book that's from a female's perspective, who's a Native American from this Osage um, tribe, and turns it into a movie where the main character is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and is about his story. I'm, sort of. I mean, I think to a certain extent, like. Like I said, there's not really a main character in the book. So you had to have a main character. You had to have a protagonist. And I think from a movie's perspective, Ernest Burkhart is a much more interest has a much more interesting arc. Because if you think about it, like Molly Burkhart doesn't really change much in this movie. Like there's right. not there like there's and that's true to the book. Like she's not a movie character. So I think what he did was necessary in terms of telling the story on screen. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, and I'm not criticizing it. I just think I'm just surprised there hasn't been more of a, a sort of in art culture a, an outcry over that. But I mean, thematically and storytelling wise, it makes a lot of sense, especially if you go back to that sort of bigger picture I was talking about. Well, there is a, and I should have looked up his name. There is a uh, an Osage man who uh, was interviewed about the movie, and you know he comments a little bit about on the shifting of perspectives, but. You know, he also he was like understanding of it. He said he liked the movie, but he was more critical. And maybe this will get us into some more things um, about he was more critical about the empathetic approach towards Ernest Burkhart. Mm -hmm. um, spoiler alert. And there will be spoilers in this podcast. You know, he was saying they try to infuse this love story into this movie involving this character who just like conspired to kill a bunch of people for, right. for money. And like, that's not, and he's like, that's not a love story. Um, okay. Well, and, also it's an interesting story and it's a, it's a, you know, it is, it is an interesting story. Sure. It's an interesting but if you're story, looking it's at it from movie. an, o, from a, from an Osage person's perspective being like, you're trying to, you know, portray empathy for this character who murdered his people. Like you can understand that perspective. And I think that's really the only kind of, discourse there's been surrounding this um, mm. in terms of that aspect. I think for the most part, people are fine with how Scorsese approached telling the story. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I didn't really even think about it that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to... Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want, like, woke politics like getting in too much into Scorsese's vision here, but you know, you got to tell the story somehow, right? I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just a more, it's just a more interesting way to tell the story. Um, like, you know, I mean, the f honestly, the f I think it makes it feel, it makes the movie feel like a lot less comfortable. Honestly, like for sure, the idea that you're close to this guy and like what I was telling you, I was experiencing with Leo, like you, you just like you can't believe the sort of the contrasting elements of this seemingly very real love between these two unlikely people and the terrible things this guy is kind of duped into doing. I mean, he does it knowingly, but, but you know, yeah, he not keeps, real he, bright though. He's pulling a Fredo. He like, he said, I'm smart. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. he can't, but he's constantly saying he is, but he's not. Um, and anyway, so, uh, I, I, uh, let's, let's, uh, there are some heavy, hitters in this movie guys let's talk about performances 
How did Leo do for you? Are we talking about? Are we get? When do we get to talk about how we all felt about this movie? Are you waiting on that for a reason? No, no. Let's let's get into it. Let's do it right now. Well, let's first let's talk about. uh, I like I liked I like teasing this by committee. No, I was just gonna say if we're gonna talk about like it not being a traditional Scorsese movie, I'm curious what you guys. And we could, this can go into how we felt about the movie, but what you liked about what he did or what you didn't like about what he did. Um, that's a great question. I think, uh, well, one, one thing I kept thinking <laughs> while watching was how in the hell did this movie cost $250 million? That's one thing. Um, however, I, I, I liked what he did. I felt it to be, I felt there, there were some nice stylistic flourishes. I think particularly in the, the oil dancing scene at the beginning, which I thought was striking and, and the fire scenes, um, when they're burning the planes, um, I thought that was really great. Those two moments are so kind of important and, and capture visually kind of what's happening in, uh, in the minds of the characters at that moment. And, uh, but yeah, I thought kind of the rest of the movie was a little unremarkable for Scorsese from that perspective. But, um, you know, like I, I have trouble thinking, I have trouble sort of envisioning how, you know, super fast Dolly, Dolly pushes would, would be in this and, you know, the other flourishes we talk about. But, you know, I, I, I wish there was more of that in this movie. I wish there was more um, of the those little flourishes in there because they, they, they stood out to me um, as being very beautiful and, and significant and important, but they were few and far between. Also, I, I don't know what it is about Scorsese. I don't know if he's got a visual effects supervisor. I just feel like the VFX in all his movies look bad. They just all look bad. And, and the, the VFX in this movie were, were, I don't know not up to par for what this movie costs. But besides that, um, I was happy with the sort of, visual aspects of it um i liked this movie i may have even really liked it i'm excited to see it again um but a lot of that is stemming from the story i like i think this is a really interesting story that's pretty well told um you know kind of to go back to what i was referencing at the beginning i'm not sure that i really love this you know late era scorsese i i just at least i don't love him as much as i love 90s Scorsese um and I think I have to admit that there is like a sophistication to the filmmaking and like an understanding of the material and that he's doing things that are more subtle but appropriate for the telling of this story but to be honest like watching this movie I was just like people are calling this a Scorsese masterpiece I'm like what's he doing here like this is like there's wide shots, there's expensive production design, there's like, you know, I don't know. Like it just felt very simple, and it's big and it's expansive and it's epic in many ways. And I think it's very smart and sophisticated in terms of like how this filmmaking works with the storytelling. But ultimately, like it didn't feel is uh, auteuristic. Is that a word? Like it didn't feel yeah, like an auteur making this movie. And that was a little frustrating for me. And I don't know, this bothers me and you guys know it bothers me, but like I, I get so frustrated when people try to justify things about great auteurs movies that aren't good or necessary. And this movie does not need to be three and a half hours long. And the amount of stuff I've read justifying its length for just like absolutely nonsensical reasons is really obnoxious i i agree with you there i did not mind the length in this movie okay so i I, I actually i I was very entertained throughout the movie like the irishman felt like such a slog compared to this i agree 100 percent. i think the irishman is is much more of a long three and a half hours than this i don't i didn't entirely mind the length like to me it didn't but it was not it also was not a swift three and a half hours and i don't think it needed to be good and i actually think the final act is pretty bad um, oh really? You're, and you're talking about once the FBI the, starts falling. Not necessarily once they show up, but the courtroom scene specifically. Oh, that's interesting because I think that's when Leo starts to like really get good as a 
in a piss I mean, performance, but that may be true. But I think like when you start when when John Lithgow and Brendan Fraser show up, like it feels like an entirely different movie. Kind of how and I felt about Oppenheimer. <clears throat> I I just thought that was bad, and that's you know an additional. It's not terribly long, but that's an additional twenty minutes. And like oddly, once you're getting into that runtime, the difference between three hours and three hours and twenty five minutes is pretty big. Um, well, let me just, uh, sum up my feelings real quick and then we can get back to it. Um, I, I think even though there weren't the normal Scorsese sort of flourishes throughout, um, he does do some very interesting things visually. There's some really stunning shots in this movie. Um, I love the story. I love the performances. I think this movie is important but I do agree with you, Lee, that, the, and it's not just Scorsese, there's a lot of filmmakers where their maturity and their expertise and their uh, ability to sort of do this almost easier than when they were younger takes something away from the filmmaking. It's less sort of punk rock and more classical music. I think PTA is a good comparison to this. Like you think about like Phantom Thread, for example, versus Boogie Nights. Right, Boogie Nights is the punk rock. You just want both are great movies. Yeah, but yeah, but Phantom Phantom Thread is interesting for a whole different set of reasons. Like in a way, Killers of the Flower Moon is different than is 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 right. and there's no there's no right or wrong thing, and and there's just something about like the the goodfellas casino uh raging bull taxi driver era of scorsese which is like three decades so what did you think of this movie four decades Uh, oh yours um i i liked it i liked it i need to see it again i i'll have more a, a more solid opinion the second time i see it because again i was concentrating I think I, would, I wasn't concentrating on the wrong thing. I just didn't know what I was supposed to be really focused on when watching it. Um, but by the end, when I start recollecting and thinking about it and, and absorbing uh, you know, my experience of it, I, I go back and I go, oh, that was good. That was good. That relationship was really good. That story is really good. Um, and so are you, you, guys, you feel the the weight of it. There's a there's a distinction here, and I think I kind of know your answers, but like we've talked about a hundred movies that we need to see again. Do you guys want to see it again? Are you excited? Are do. you excited to see it again? Yes. I should say yes, because I I am too. And I think when I first walked out, I was like, I need to see that again. But I don't know that I was excited to see it again. But in the the week less than a week since then, I've just like you said, Jeremy, like you're starting to like recollect on some of these things piecing together and you're like, God, all that stuff really worked nicely. So I want to see, I want to see like on the periphery now, I'm excited to kind of see it, all it, the extra flourishes that kind it of really, um, it, it really um, ventures into the uh, mood piece territory for me. Sort of like if we're going to go like to like a master or the master. Yeah. Um where with with Anderson. Like there's just something about it that's got a gravitational draw for me that I really enjoyed. I couldn't put my finger on it entirely. Um but it's a movie I I, I just I know I'm going to need to see again. And I think way more so than the Irishman did. And oh, like the reason definitely. I think obviously it, it the Irishman was the movie Scorsese made before this, but I think the comparisons also lie in, in its running time for one, but also that late period Scorsese thing where it's like the Irishman even doesn't, while it's a gangster movie, doesn't have kind of that, that punk rock, that energy that, you know, even I guess the Wolf of Wall Street would probably be his last movie that had that, right? Um, which was 2014 that kind of had that, energy of the departed casino goodfellas those movies mean streets um whereas silence the irishman and this feel like much more you know contemplative and just a different approach and again it's a it's a little annoying to me where it's like you have somebody with like 50 years of experience making movies and to be honest, like I like—I don't know if you guys watched any of that uh, 
Scorsese and uh, Timothy Chalamet interview where they're mm-hmm. just kind of talking. And I haven't seen all of it, but like I love listening to Scorsese talk about movies and making movies and like his experience over the years and just like not just his knowledge, but just like his life is just so interesting to hear about. And I like listening to that more than I like watching his new movies, to be honest. And but all of that is just like compiled into movies like Killers of the Flower Moon, where he is just so good and so knowledgeable now that he's doing things that are appropriate for the story he's telling, even if it's like we've talked about, not particularly what we want from a Scorsese movie. Um, And, you know, I think that's a tough place to come from when you're reviewing it because, like, you have to say, how much did I like this? versus how good is this movie yeah i think that i think your question of how much do you want to see it again and are you excited to see it again is the kind the sort of place i at least i have to come from for this review and the fact that i am so excited about seeing it again um you know obviously a positive thing chapin you want to get into performances or well i want to tell you what i thought of this movie yeah i, I didn't tell you Oh, I thought you did. I, I really liked it. I thought it was yeah. really, really good. Um, not something I, w- I wasn't blown away, and, and it's not something, it wasn't my, like my experience with Oppenheimer, for example, but I really liked it. I was just sort of transfixed by it for the entire running time of the movie. I didn't feel it at all. I mean, I was looking at my, I did look at my phone a couple times to check the Man. time, but you got, uh, got a life yeah yeah i mean i do have a days life. days went by yeah i was, just, I was like just i need check. to shave after this <laughs> okay um, I'm gonna, we're gonna count that as two jokes um and uh so but like i i think what you know like like i i, I we all tend to have our focuses on this podcast and i think we all see the things that we focus on more the first time right jeremy's structure Lee, maybe you are more performance person or whatever, but I see like the filmmaking camera work stuff and that just didn't blow my socks off. And so I think I was a little Chapin just po- sees the money. I just see them. I just kind yeah. of counting all the little. So, but did you guys have like, did you guys get like a gangs in New York vibe in terms of the money on this? Like looking no, at the sets no, and stuff? No, not at all. But the sets are so big. Like they built this whole town like, and like ev- everything they're in is, was built. Yeah, I guess like to, I guess that's true. I mean, I don't know. I just and to me, it had this like I, I'm not comparing the movies by any means, but like it had very much like a gangs in New York. Like I want to show this history of this this time and place in America. Like so, I'm gonna build the whole thing. Um, Chapin, your your camera's a little soft there. You want to rack focus? There we go. Um, so yeah, I got this kind of gangs in New York. Like you could see, I to me you could see that it was the same director. And the interesting thing is, like I wouldn't describe Gangs in New York as late period Scorsese. Like that movie, no, a lot of the times not. has like that energy that we were talking totally. about. Totally. I mean, and I think The Irishman has a lot of it too. That's missing from this film, not in a good or bad way, but sometimes. But like you sometimes. said, like that's it's, a yeah, long three really and a half slow. hours. Like, um, but yeah, let's get into performances. Um. I thought like Robert De Niro was transcendent. I thought he yes, was so agreed, good. Hundred percent. And I thought like made I was you, like made me miss more. Of so that. excited. And I didn't uh, know he was capable of doing that anymore. I really, yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. Um, and I can, not to keep going back to the Irishman, but like he's so much better in this than he is I, in the. I Irishman. like him in the Irishman. I, I like what he, I like what he does in that movie. I think he was on my fixie dis- list that I year. I think he's on mine too. He's less distracting but, though. Like, uh, yeah, there's something. There's like, it's yeah. He's just and and just you know, I know that they used like lifts and stuff, but just like just like physically, how different he is in that movie. You know, like from the yeah. Irishman, he's like supposed to be this big looming, you know, intimidating guy, and in this movie, he's like this little pissant. You know, yelling at every spanking people. Um, Lily Gladstone. There's a scene we can break down. I I loved her in this. Yeah, she was great. I've only seen her. Character's a little underwritten, a tiny bit underwritten. Yeah, I don't. I would. I would agree. 
I've only seen her in one other thing. She and she hasn't been in a lot. Um, she was in Kelly Reichardt's Certain Women. Um, she had then that's yeah, like, like a, she's in Sacred Cow too, or First Cow. Yeah, she's at the very very beginning for like two seconds. Oh. Um, um, <clears throat> but she's very quiet in that movie too. Like I don't know, she has a very very good screen presence. Yeah, that's what I would say. I don't know. I it's almost like I I came away from this movie not knowing if she's good at acting. But she has a great presence and a good face for this movie, like especially for this character. There's just something about her that like sort of well, those tra- like black and white kind of stills they do. She looks so in place in those. Um, yeah, in place in the time and and she, and she yeah. is a native, so like obviously she fits that aspect. But I think she is a good actor because I actually think while maybe a little underdeveloped and underwritten, I think it's actually a pretty difficult role. Like she has to be the alpha in scenes with Leonardo DiCaprio and I think she pulls it off. Well like, she, she yeah, is stronger she's also than going him. like going up against the two two of the biggest movie stars the last like fifty years, so that's gotta be rough. Yeah. Uh I thought Plemons was great. I thought he was so good. I, I wish there was more of them. I do too. I, I like he, him too, but like, is he just going to kind of do the same thing all the time? I like, don't know, but I, I thought he did a lot. Oh yeah. He's sort of like this kind of like, you know, not seemingly, you know, ostensibly nice guy. And then, but I don't know. Like he just has these, like, I just, I, I just really picked up on his mannerisms and the way he like kind of used his charm to learn things about people and, um, I'm not sure he was very good at his job. <laughs> I mean, I think they. I don't, I yeah, think but they, like people kept being like, yeah, "Come back later." He's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, I just don't think he could have done anything at that point other than come back later. I think he is. He he's definitely smart. Out outsmarted the other guys. I think. Yeah, I I think we all like Jesse Plemons, but I don't know. Like I, maybe it's just good casting or or what, but like. You sort of his FBI agent was like if his character from Power of the Dog like joined the FBI. Oh, I don't agree with that. I think that's unfair. And maybe it's unfair, but I just feel like he kind of has like one speed. And no, it's like, I disagree with that, Jeremy. You need to defend him. He's in your troop, dude. Uh, yeah, no, I think he. I think the whole subtlety of it was that he, like, at least how I read it, was he knew what he was doing. Totally. Uh, and. He, I got that too. Yeah, he wasn't just like, "Oh, I'll go back later." Then I guess I, th- I think he knew exactly. He was I think just he knew who did it all along. Yeah. yeah, I think he was just gathering information to prove it the whole time. I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was good. He's not. He's not like, like I think De Niro and to a lesser extent Leo were kind of transcending what we know about them as actors and what like what we normally see them do in this movie. Whereas Plemons sort of stayed in his lane. Yeah. That's maybe. interesting. I, I am at this point now. I love Leo and I know he was really good in this movie. And, but like, I, it's like watching Jack Nicholson. Like I just can't not see Leo. And yeah. And so I'm glad you're, can you, and, can, well, here's the question. Did you not see De Niro? Then? I did. I did. That was the problem is I, I, I believed him. I, 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 you know, but he's got the glasses on and, um, well, Leo had like prosthetics. He had like what? He had like teeth, right? Fake teeth or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so, okay. So I'm a little relieved that you at least bring up, some questions about DiCaprio's performance. My mine are not the same. I don't necessarily have an issue with DiCaprio or De Niro in terms of seeing the the actor over the performance in this movie, especially. Like I had no issue with seeing De Niro. Um, I think Leo is good in this movie, but it's definitely not among my favorite. Did I say De Niro? I meant DiCaprio. It was good. It's definitely not among my favorite Leo performances. Um, it feels like it just feels, I don't, I don't want to say it feels over the top because I'm not sure that that's exactly the right description, but I don't know. It just feels very acted. Yeah. It's, I think it's going to be like, like a, like a fine, uh, 
Washington red blend or Cabernet Sauvignon, like the second day you, you have it, the second time you see it, it's going to, it's going to be a little better. Yeah. The nuances will come out a little bit more, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just have trouble getting past him. And I think, I think that that is a comment on his performance. Like he's just, he's a movie star and this is not a role for a movie star. I don't think. Yeah, that's true. Well, is this, point. is this a point? Basically you're, or are you trying to say to Scorsese, dude, you don't need to cast him in every one of your movies. Let's try something new. But the thing is, like, he's good. Like, he's he's competent at this. And I think especially... I'm not saying that. You're saying that. No, no, I know that. I think especially he gets, like, in that third act, he's very interesting and does something we haven't seen him do before, which is this, like... um, You know, sort of wrestling with guilt, which we've seen Leo do, but also, like... You know, we'd never seen him be dumb like this and, and and sort of not really quite understand what he's done. And he's just like a pat like he just he just move like operates from from an emotional place. Like he's he fears his uncle, he loves his wife, and he doesn't think about like how one uh his actions on either impact the other. Yeah. Right. And, and I think he pulls that off for sure. I do too. Which I is the too. hard part. That's, that's I, like I said. Challenge. I think he's good, but like I just, I was totally absorbed into like I just didn't see De Niro in that role, and I, I didn't. I, I don't think there's any argument there. I think this is. I mean, it's definitely the best De Niro of the decade, or this is it the best De Niro of the century? I, I got to look at his filmography. Like, no, no. What there's one thing about Plemons uh, that. I didn't believe and it had nothing to do with Plemons. I honestly didn't believe that the FBI would really care. Well, they didn't for years. So that is actually something that's not that I actually criticism of the movie that I don't think is particularly well done is like how pervasive and abundant these murders were and like how little was done. Like it's, there's these scenes where they're like, we got to send somebody to Washington to get help here. You know, there's a scene where Hale is like, I'll, I'll give a thousand dollars to whoever has information about this. And like, they focus in on the Burke or not the Burkhart, the Brown sisters, all of Molly's sisters and family who are killed because they're focusing on that story and those head rights. But they were like, I forget like 25 confirmed murders, but like hundreds of murders in this stretch. Which that definitely didn't come across. Right. And like, so when you say like there's that many murders and it took that long for the FBI to get involved, that's a story. And I do not think the movie portrayed that well. I think that was totally missing. Yeah, I agree because I was actually wondering why the FBI would really even show up um, at all for a few murders. Yeah, it was a lot. It was like, I think I forget what the number was. Obviously, it's in the book, but it, it's like twenty something that were confirmed. But like the story is that there were actually just like hundreds. Basically, the white white people were just killing all of these people for their head rights, for their money. Um, and yeah, sixty, sixty or more. Why, if that was happening so long and so prevalent, why are were all these? women marrying all these white guys that are coming off of trains there. You know what's interesting? I actually, some, here's something I really liked, and I maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the performances, a combination of the two. Um, Lily Gladstone, obviously, especially, but also a lot of the other Native characters, her sisters, and so, uh, so, so on and so forth, had, did a very good job of, like, kind of combining, like, this modern type of person characteristic like understanding the world as it is at that moment and with their kind of traditional Osage traditions like you look at their mother who is like very much like a traditional old world old school Osage like follows all of these like traditions of of that tribe and then you see all of that in the sisters but they also have like Molly's sister goes out and gets drunk and like like they just and even Molly Burkhardt is like very much like understands the world as it is. And I think there's just this like combination of these two eras, these two worlds. And 
you know, that's why they keep marrying him. Like, it's just like, this is the world we live in. And there, and, and like, there they was, even acknowledge, they're like, I know they're marrying me for my money. <laughs> like there, there was some, uh, they, I didn't, they, they didn't explain it too well. Maybe we'll get more on the rewatch, but this idea, and I, I had to look it up, but the idea that full blooded Indians were considered incompetent, like they couldn't manage their own money. And so that's why she had to go see, yeah. um, what's his name who lost, you know, the coin toss guy, um, is that who that was? I, no, I gotta, he was in it, but that's not who oh, the guy that she had to see. Yeah, um, she had to see like they all have like a money manager, right? And like so a white a white man managing right. their money. Yeah. So there's this sort of even even before the murders begin, there's this idea that like they are there, but they are still in being controlled yeah, by. They can't handle all this money. Yeah. Right. Um, if we ever wondered, like, or. You know, just to give people an idea of like us maybe criticizing Scorsese a little bit or whatever. Uh, know who initially expressed interest in doing this movie, according to trivia, and imagine what this movie would have been? George Clooney. So, whatever okay. our criticisms of Scorsese are, if this was a George Clooney movie, it'd be it would be sixty-five minutes. Black and, and white. Not very interesting. Clooney has shown some ability to direct. Like he doesn't have a the... little bit, but this had such a uh, depth to it. Is what yeah, I'm I getting to. Yeah, I think that's to. a good word for it. A lot of um, I read this in the New York Times, but a lot of um, musicians in this movie. Um, oh yeah, Jason Isbell. I noticed Jason that. Jason Isbell, who was I thought was fucking great. He yeah, was he so, was. He was really good. He was really good. Um, and then, uh, what's his name is at the end there. Jack White is at the end. Did you notice him? Right. Uh, I didn't. I don't know what I, any of these people look like, but I definitely noticed Jason Isbell right away. Um, <laughs> guys, Brendan Fraser was awful. He was bad. Oh, he was really bad. Like, let's just okay. Can we be done with Brendan Fraser now? Please. He had his moment. He like, looked terrible. He looked terrible. I mean, yeah, he looked like he just finished filming the whale. He was yeah. losing the weight. Um, no, what are you talking about, <laughs> but, guys? He's going to get another fixing nomination this year. I want to talk about. Back. I want to talk about the ending of this movie, specifically those trial sequences, because you have a scene, a shot essentially. It holds on Leo, where he just kind of tells the whole story of the movie we just watched for three and a half hours. That was weird. I noticed that. That's a that's like a that's a thing you see from like young directors that like aren't confident in the movie they made. Um, and then the final scene. I don't know how I. I that's like one that move. Yeah, well, it did. It uh, felt yeah. it felt off watching it. I want to watch it again, but there's definitely felt it felt wrong for some reason. And this was the thing. This was on the big picture. And again, it's this whole like justifying things that like you, you should hear them talking about this and like they're spinning their wheels, trying to come up with reasons why, Oh, they're going to do this like mock radio show telling the story about it. Then Scorsese is going to come on and read the obituary of Molly Burkhart. And it's so moving and so smart, it's so much smarter than like uh, title cards at the end of the movie. And, uh, and just the hearing the like, bogus justifications for stuff that like just say it's not the best part of the movie like <laughs> it's annoys the shit out of me and like again I, I read something about the length and they're like oh the reason it's so long is because it's representing how long it took for anyone to recognize how long oh, these God, shut and I'm like stop stop coming up if you don't if you don't know why the movie was that long don't make up a reason because you refuse to critique Martin Scorsese. And that drives me nuts. And it's happening more and more with these great directors that are making movies that like, you know, we will come on here and say like, we liked it, we didn't like it, but it has flaws or whatever. I don't like the apologetic approach. And which we do not do here. at the We don't. Film. And I really liked this movie. I'm super excited to see it again. I think it's going to be a fixie contender in a lot of categories. So you, you guys like, didn't like, I you didn't like that. Didn't like radio. the end. Yeah. I mean, I, and I really thought the Scorsese cameo was like sort of simultaneously nonsensical, but also indulgent like, in a really weird self-righteous. way. Self-righteous. Like yeah. it was like distracting. So it, to distracting. me, to me, it was like a really bad version of 
the final scene in Schindler's List when Spielberg has the people <laughs> laying the rocks on the the, yeah. the tomb, and it's, it's like, like Spielberg I, goes, or or you know, no, actually, you know what is a better example? And actually, it's not as egregious as this, but um, in <laughs> the Passion of the Christ, there's the scene, <laughs> there's the scene where the hammer is coming down to hit the nail into yeah. Jesus's hand. And that's Mel Gibson's hand because he's like, I'm the only one that can do this. It's too important. And right. like, to me, there was a little bit of that with Scorsese. But you being don't like, know, I need you don't to come know on that watching passion of the Christ. And like, the thing is, is Scorsese's voice is like three or four different characters in this movie already. Did you guys pick up on that? Oh, I didn't know. Like, he's got a bunch of little voice cameos and I just found it so distracting. Like, why does he do that? You know, what's funny is watching look, this whole look, movie. There's Lee. so many people in it. And I'm like, when is Scorsese just going to pop in and be one of these characters? Lee, and I they're want, like, no, I he shows up as himself. <laughs> when Bonnie goes to the store, she buys shit. When I go, oh, I buy the good the gourmet stuff. But in his best movie, he is his best in Django Unchained. So. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like that final scene. I, I was like, what's the point of this? Ra- like, what are you trying to say with this? I really, radio I, really, show? I really didn't know. Like it was, and it was felt, it was so not in, it was sort of, sort of not in line with the re- style, rest of the style of the movie. Yeah. And then Scorsese just comes on and like reads like the third leads obituary. Yeah. I, I honestly thought I didn't get it at that point. Also, I'd had a, a few drinks by then. Um, <clears throat> Well, so, a few days had gone by. You got to Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh man, I'm really missing it. I'm missing it." What here. are we at now? We We're at 5. Oh, man. 5 running 5 runtime li- jokes. Um, all right. I, we can keep talking about this movie, of course, guys, but I, I do have a list here um from earlier in the year when we we drafted our movies for 2023. Oh, excellent. I, I'd like to review that. Um, we're obviously not at the end of the year. Um, so Chapin, your, your, f- uh, what did we do? We did six movies. One, two, three. Yeah, we did six movies. So your six, uh, is the killer. Yes. Yes. Still very excited about that. Right. Yeah. Dune two. Oh, Sorry. Fuck. You can try to draft it again next year. Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. a good one. Feeling good about that. Uh, here's where we j- dip a little. Bo is afraid. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, none of us have. Also, like three hours long, but Ooh, Ari Aster a, and that, not Martin a, Scorsese. That's a big. That's a big, uh, big check of red right there. Yeah, it's. I love how that's qu- still that's still sitting on the spreadsheet, and it's like it's not marked as like must see or or high priority or anything. It's just like that one sitting in white where it's just like uh, if we get through all the must sees and high priorities. Like, all right, here's a question for you guys: Do we all watch? Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon again before we see Bo. Boo is afraid. Yeah, Boo is afraid. Yeah. Boo. Um, and then your final one, Chapin, is uh, Indiana Jones. Oh, did you see it? I did. I I kind of liked it actually. Okay. All right, Jeremy. Um, oh, I gotta be honest. I your this. your list is looking pretty good. Oppenheimer. Oh. Poor poor things. Nice. Yeah, that, TBD, I'm surprised that wasn't my reviews my first. are pretty good. Mission Impossible. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't like that, but we all hated my, it, so I don't know what you're talking about. Maestro. Oh yeah. Good. And was... then this is a tough one. Air. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not great. It's not great. Not great. Was Air um, not good? I haven't even seen it. Yeah, it wasn't it, great. Yeah, it's there's no. It's like it's it. such like a wannabe Moneyball, and it just was like not at all. <laughs> Um, all right, for me, I start out strong. Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Happy about that. Napoleon. That's strong. Um, this was a movie, and, and I probably shouldn't have even drafted this, but I've been excited about it since I heard it, and I liked the plot line and the idea and the director and the cast. But a trailer dropped recently for it, and I was going to text you guys the other day because Go it ahead. looks fucking awful. Next goal wins. Oh, I don't yeah, even remember the, which one that is. Yeah, it's that's the, the Taika Waititi yeah. movie and Fast Bender's uh, in it. And it yeah, looks yeah, that, like a I fucking did, joke. I did see that. It looked like a, a made-for-Disney TV. Yeah. It looks so bad. Um, and then my last two I don't think are coming out this year. Zone of Interest is the Jonathan Glazer movie. No, that's coming out. That's coming out. When? When is it coming out? 
Um, um, it's coming out at the in December. I just looked it okay. up. Nice. Because the and trailer then, just dropped. It looks good. And then Challengers. Oh. Um, which, which is not going to come out. Yeah. I don't think. So, uh, okay, where I, I don't know. Um, Chapin, I'm sorry. I think yours might be in the worst shape just because you lost Dune 2. So all you have left really is the killer and Ferrari. Um, Jeremy, you're probably in the best know, I'm shape. Not, I'm not feeling Although, great about I that. I mean, Jeremy, you have three. Um, I guess you and I both have three potentials. Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Maestro for you. Um, Killer of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, and Zone of Interest for, for me. Uh, no, none of us had past lives, huh? No. Check out our most recent posted podcast if you're interested in what we thought about that. Did you hear that, Chapin? <clears throat> what? Uh, it's not going to be po- this is going to be posted before past lives mm, we'll see about that Lee it's fine it like just it, I'll put past lives out right after okay right after this is how we end up with unreleased podcasts which I think we had three of last year well what we else we got, guys? past lives has to get released because it's going to get potential for fixing nominees so People have to know. The people have to <laughs> people know. People need to know. Yeah. And it's um, in a... I watched anything else you guys been watching? Um Kitchen Nightmares, the new season. Okay. <laughs> I uh you guys will thank me. I knocked a must see off the must see list. Was not a bad movie, but Are You There God, it's me, Margaret was fine. Yeah, I we, um, we started theater camp last night. Uh, I'll finish yeah, it. Yeah, I, I started that. I couldn't. I'll keep finish going. it, but it's yeah, not. Uh, it's, it's not. Fine. It's like a uh, um, poor man's Christopher Guest. Is how I very it. poor, very poor man's. It literally looks like maybe the people that went to that theater camp made that movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, I couldn't get through that. Um. Oh, know what I did see. Um, oh, embarrassing. I forget the name of it. It was the new John Carney movie. I yeah, told you, you told guys us. that. Yeah. Uh, didn't love it. Should have checked love it off. It. Flora and Son. Oh, you did yeah, check it off. I did check it off. Flora and Son. But it uh, did make me really want to uh, watch Sing Street and his good ones. Oh, yeah. I watched Bottoms also. Um, Yay. Because I really like <laughs> Emma, I like Emma C- Seligman's movies and I really like. Um, uh, what's her name? Rachel Sennett. Um, not really sure why I'm so into her, but I am. I've never um, heard of either of those people. Have you, Jeremy? No. Well, Let you me... guys didn't see. Um, Let's look up Sh- bottoms. Shiva Baby, which was a pretty good movie from a couple years ago that they collaborated on. Um, bottoms was was pretty funny. Marshawn Lynch is in it. He's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a comedy. Is it, uh, what's it streaming on? I guess I can look it's, at the spreadsheet. I think I rented it. It's funny. Uh, yeah. Um, It's kind of like a, you know, modern day lesbian American pie type of thing. It's not quite as raunchy as that. Uh, it's not even close to as raunchy as that, but it's a funny movie, but it's pretty thin. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing special. Uh, yeah. Um, Probably, but probably watch a movie tonight. Honestly, get another one going. Mm-hmm. Lee, how much are you winning by this time? Uh, it's it's okay. I got nineteen movies I've watched. Jeremy, you're at nine. Chapin, you're at six. Assuming we've checked all these off. I really, I don't know when we're going to be able to see it. I really want to see Anatomy of a Fall. Which yeah, one me too. I was just looking at that. I think it's coming so out right good. now. Coming out soon. I think it. Yeah, but I think in limited theaters. No, but I think it's on on demand. Oh really? Or soon maybe. Oh, maybe uh, not. Maybe not. I'm sorry. Speaking of uh, not knowing, oh, it's out. It's out already. It's out right now in theaters. Yeah. When is uh, when is Killers of Flower Moon gonna be on Apple TV Plus? I don't think we know, right? It hasn't no, decided. Probably, is it gonna check? No, it? it's this November something. It's not that long. Mm. Um, let's see. It's interesting. <clears throat> this is okay. So we actually did not talk about this. I feel bad kind of putting this at the tail where everybody's already shut us off. Um, this is not a good streaming movie <laughs> in terms of like embracing the full experience. 
Um, well, I mean, you're definitely I gonna the Irishman like the Irishman oddly like worked okay on Netflix. This I do not think works well on your couch. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that either. It doesn't feel episodic enough. Like it is very much like you need to like sit and watch three and a half hours straight, like without the breaks. What? Well, I mean, yeah, you could pause, but at least you could pause it if you have to go to the bathroom. Right, but that's different. I don't think that's what most people are going to do. I think most people are going to be like, I'll watch an hour, and then like three days later, I watch another one, and then. Well, I would encourage people not to do that and to try to watch at least the whole thing. Killers of the Flower Moon coming at a later date is what Apple TV says. For some oh, there's reason, not I thought a, there was there's a not, date. I thought there was an official release date. I thought there was too, but this is just on the Apple TV app. But uh, Chapin, how's it doing in the box office? Um, it's doing okay. It opened um, at like just under thirty million. Underperformed. Under well, I wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, um, I, I made some money shorting it on. Uh, oh, you did. Stock exchange. I got. I got. I lost like. I mean, he has six me, so. million dollars on that Taylor Swift. Movie. <laughs> yeah, I made a lot on that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What weekend was that? It's the last weekend. Last weekend, so it, it was below. It's twenty three million. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say it probably under. I think that kind of underperformed. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I I'm curious to know the like the impact of. Um, well, one, it's obviously so long, so like you, lo- you yeah, lose fewer a screen. screenings. You lose like you lose at least screen. one. You lose one screening, um, and also the impact that this is going to be on Apple soon. Like, I actually following this movie, I didn't, and I don't even think I realized it until this weekend that it was going to have such a, like a real wide release. I guess I didn't really pick up on that. Um, but yes, it is a paramount distributed movie that like Apple funded or something like that. So is there any, like I'm sure they discuss this, but like what if like everybody knows it's like, like Apple wants you to know that like they like finance this movie because that's good for like their movie production leg. But like, is there any value in them like just not telling pe- like telling people like no this is not an Apple TV Plus movie it's going to theaters and then put it on Apple TV Plus 3 weeks later anyway but like I, mean, what, I don't know what you mean that's what they're doing but yeah but everybody knows it's going to Apple TV Plus well we do i do you think all the the the, the uh, yeah, for sure. normies I know i think the normies know well yeah. has they apple like it when we call them normies has apple done a movie that they've released in theaters uh, I don't know. I'm sure question. they have, but I can't think of it right now. Because but like, this is their this is Greyhound their big was their best ever. <laughs> I don't think they have. I mean, that's I think that's why they they partnered with Paramount. Um, I mean, they could. I'm sure they can definitely do it. What is it. Apple partnering with anybody for? Do they well, like not, was, Can they not it, hire somebody to figure out how to release a movie? No, because Paramount was a Paramount Did they was own a, it uh, first. Yeah, they, it can't, it started with them, and then it, they were like, "Oh, this is going to be a two hundred billion, two hundred fifty billion dollar, yeah, three and a half mind. hour movie." And then Scorsese's like, "Oh, I guess I got to raise more money." Yeah, and he called Apple, and they're like, "Ugh, they open, they're like, let me see what I have on me." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like this is a this movie is. And it's not the like sprawlingness of it or anything like that. Like I just feel like to really like and like to really get the full scope of this movie, I think you do need to kind of like embrace it step by step. And I think if you're doing that in pieces, it really can hurt the final so, product. Lee, I know that you are um you follow you're listening to the big picture and I should probably start doing that too. But sometimes I'm listening to it less and less because of some of the reasons. Right. I I'm sure, and I, and I like, echo your annoyances about that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, I think one thing that's annoying about that is like, yeah, like you can love a movie and not like certain parts of it. Like, I think we like all like this movie and not, are not crazy about the end, but is there, is this a front runner for the Oscars? Do you guys think like, have they talked at all about that? Like what, what are we They did? They said, there's no way it wins best picture. It's too melancholy. Like it's like, it's too sad of a story. Mm. There's like they're like it'll be get a bunch of nominations, but it probably won't win anything. Oh, 
Coda. Oh, Coda, w- Coda was an Apple. Apple's already won an Oscar. Yeah, but that didn't go in theaters. It did. It made $2.2 million. $2. $2 million. <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> it was on eight screens. It was on the Gloucester theater. It was in the Gloucester theater. God, that and that awful Kung Fu movie were the two. Ugh, Oscars are so bad. Um, Kung okay. Fu movie. Everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you so much. For, on that note, <clears throat> I'm going to go throw up. This has been Jeremy Fisk, <laughs> Lee Carlo, Chapin Hemingway in the Get Your Film Fix podcast reviewing a Scorsese movie. It doesn't get much better than that, gentlemen. It doesn't get much better than that. And only only about the third of the time. Yeah. Um, Less than. Less less than than a third of the time. Yes. Okay. How many? That's six now, Lee, jokes that we're at? Yep. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we'll be back, hopefully, with another Fixie movie, Fixie Contender. Um, Fixie season, baby. Yeah, Fixie season is upon us in full. It's almost November. So thank you so much. Oh, I was... uh sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. Hmm. Huh. See, see what about them? See who's doing it. Hmm. Huh.